no one knocks on the door of your hut during the night. You have a relatively restful sleep. Your mind is, of course, cast back to the things you've encountered so far and what might lay ahead. But the beds are comfortable. Turfin, of course, you spend most of your time pacing. And as soon as you see a... Well, gain an inkling that it might be dawn outside. Are you waking up your companions, Turfin? Yes. I'll grumble a little, but I was ready to be woken up this early, so I just go, Aye, all right, all right, I'm awake, I'm awake, aye, all right. Let's go. Fine. Grab your stuff and get ready. Sure. Um, I'll, uh, I haven't, I haven't unpacked many things, uh, but I uh, blink uh, and wince a little because I am feeling tired. Stifle a yawn, and then um, I go up to... Uh, the uh, quiver of uh, cutter, and I, I cast a low-level incantation of multiply missile on them in case we are going to do an early fight. It'll last for a few hours anyway. As you leave the door, or leave through the door of the tiny hut, and it magically disappears behind you. You see, propped up against the magical building or where the magical building was and now collapsed to the ground a faded blue glowing hollow legionnaire barely clad in strips of rusted armour as he clanks to the ground lets out a I immediately run, run over to him. No, no. Stay back. Careful, Turfin. Remember, they have something on them. But, I... Do you need help? There is no help for me. I can feel myself breathing again. I feel alive. I think that means I'm close to death. But I can't, I can't just... I can't. What can I do to help you? Most of us are dead. But some of us still live. We tried to run. I, I do not have long left. So I will try and speak clearly. And... His phantasmal eyelids open, so you can see the glowing orbs of his eyeballs, and he looks at you. The sentinels told us that if there was to be a cure, it would be at the old temple of Mormo. I do not know whether they were truthful or not, or whether they intended well, but I can tell you that there is no cure there for what we have. There is just a woodrack dragon. Part of the forest, part of the land, part of the temple. A vile beast, an assassin of Mormo. When we arrived, we scoured the temple, all of its levels above ground and under attempting to find tinctures and cures of which there may have been some. There were alchemists among us that tried to fix together a cure, and for some of us it staved off the disease, but it didn't cure it. I believe that the cure can only be found if the ritual is undone, and that can only be done in Glivadortel. Something beyond our skill, something beyond yours. Woodrack. Dragon. Yes. When we became aware that a Woodrack dragon was in the area, we had to choose. Did we leave the temple and face the dragon or hide? And the longer we hid, the worse the disease became. And so some of us fled. 
and most of us were consumed or destroyed by this dragon. <laughs> Where are the others? Those who are alive, that is. They would still be in the temple. There was only... but a couple who had not been showing signs of disease, but I cannot say for a certainty that they are not diseased now. And he looks to Turfin earnestly. I can see from your arms that you are a paladin of Mithril. I know that it is against your vows, but I implore you Gods, damn me for saying it, but I implore you and your companions to turn back. My squad, they will be doomed where they are, and if you try to venture in to rescue them, you will doom yourselves. You are so far clean of this disease. If you come into contact with our fellow legionnaires, that may no longer be the case. We might return and spread the disease, I suppose. But, but what if we just get him out of the forest and it, it it turns out that it's just this area that makes them bad? What if they can get healed by getting out of I here? I don't know, I don't know. I'm just... It is a woodrack dragon. It, it will... We try to distract it. It can be distracted. But it is smart, and it is violent, and destruction incarnate. That is how I got as far as I did. One of my companions engaged it and fell. Why did those last two not run as well? If your entire squad is lost, why are they even still there? We did not all agree we had been hunkered down in there for two weeks seeing members of our squad dying to disease and eventually the question was do we stay here and die or do we go out there and maybe live hmm. well if there's even the slightest chance that we can save some of our own I think that is a... It's a risk worth running. Then you are a brave woman, Paladin, but... You risk utter destruction. And... He starts saying something further. I just wish you could take back a message... To, to the Citadel that... And... His armor decays rapidly and his soul dissipates as a wisp on the wind. There's no grand ceremony to it. There's no scream, no groan, no death rattle. It's just partway between saying one word and another, he was there and now he is not. Oh no, he's, he's gonna, he was going to say something. The message. I sit there for a little while. I pick up what is left of his armor. I look at it. You realize you are handling this, what could be diseased, carapace. Mm-hmm. Uh, fan. We need to find them. Yeah, but a war drag dragon. I mean, yeah, that'd be that'd be a, a story to tell. Aye, a story to tell where you end up dead. 
I am willing to go a little further, Turfin, but I am not going to descend deep into a temple with a wood-racked dragon if we can't find your two friends and get out of there in a very quick amount of time. Do you get me? I'm not forcing you to do anything. I understand. But... I need to do this. If I do it alone or not, does not matter. But I need to do this. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're we're with you, right? I look over to Cutter. I click my teeth and just nod and just start moving forward saying, hurry up then. You've already lost one crew, Cutter. That I have. I'm not entirely sure how I would feel if I have to run again, but I can't help but think that I might have to. But for the moment, I just start moving forwards. I don't say anything else. The humidity and acrid nature of the air intensifies as you head deeper into the forest. While all of you have heard of rack dragons, uh, the creatures once used by titans, sometimes as mounts, sometimes as killers, sometimes as petty lords to rule over small domains of slaves and the like. None of you have ever encountered one. Shagmane, you know the most of the Woodrack Dragon just based on tales that you have not just heard but also repeated. You know that the Woodrack Dragon is a creature that is as much briar and mud, thorn and branch as it is flesh and, well, electricity. It somehow channels nature into a great burst of power, creating a thick ozone-like atmosphere, a static that buzzes in the ears and heads of anyone that enters its land. It has a way of being able to energize plant life into entangling its opponents, throttling them, ensnaring them so the woodrack dragon can then eat them and when it's at play it might just pretend to be a mound of rot and mulch or it could pretend to be a thick fallen tree and camouflage itself among the woodlands but the one thing you know for a certainty as the fog gets thicker and that crackle in your mouths, in your noses, in your ears is buzzing like tinnitus. It's you are entering a woodrack dragon's territory. And so the question becomes one of tactics or strategy, whether you have one. According to the map, such as it is, you should be upon this temple soon. What are you going to do? I would like to cast protection from evil. You can do that. I'm not making you roll initiatives for any preparatory magics or the like. Okay. So you can have protection from evil. Are you just casting it on yourself or on others? On everyone. Okay. Corian's blessing falls on all three of you. If the if your deity has any attention for what's going on in the Hornsaw Forest, it's clear that they wish for you to be safeguarded. I would like to cast Sanctuary as well. So who are you casting Sanctuary on, Clara? Um... It might make more sense for the bar... Uh, Hyalmar as because of the hostile action thing, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I'm gonna cast it on Yalmar. How long does it last? Um, it lasts a minute. So we are going to assume that you are within a minute of this temple. 
because I am more than happy for you to put up as many safeguards as you like. This is a big monster. Right, so as we're moving through, I try to, as factual as possible, uh, relay what I know, what I've heard about woodrack dragons, about the fog, about the crackle of electricity, the things to look out for, the logs or the mo the logs or the mounds that could camouflage such a thing. I try to be very practical about this, but it's, uh, yeah, you can notice that I am nervous that we're doing this. But feeling as we go along, the energies of Turfin's magic flow around me. It's, it's a comfort. So how do we go about this? <sighs> we intend to fight this thing? No, we don't. We intend to try and get into that bloody temple as quickly as we can without being seen. Turf in here is going to say, Hello, hello, any of my friends here? And if they don't respond in like ten minutes or five minutes, we get the hells out of here. That sounds like a plan you'd be fine with, Turfin. I think that is the only sensible thing to do. All right. Fine. Yeah, that's that's sensible. We should be really near now. And yes, so you are. Well, as the Sentinels described, the area around the temple is a wasteland. And so the closer you get, the more visible that becomes. Trees are fallen. Stumps are sheared into spikes. Very little natural foliage grows here. There's strange, twisted, black, inverted roots that seem to grow upward through the ground, giving cause to wonder what's growing underneath from these roots. At the centre of it all, amidst a small sea of craters filled with rancid water and ozone, is a half-collapsed wooden temple. The bust above its doorway, above the arch, is of a hideous woman. She bears six breasts, thick wings that stretch the width of the temple. Her arms are scaled like a snake but end in vicious claws. From her appearance, it looks like she's screaming, and her hair is snakes, like a gorgon. She is undoubtedly Mormo. Could I ask from Shagmane, who has been so good as to point this out, to do a perception roll? In fact, you know what? I will ask all of you to make a perception roll. I feel a shiver down my spine as I look at this hideous, monstrous statue, knowing perfectly well what it is. I rolled 19. And how did Turfin and Cutter do? I roll a 20 as I sort of oh so just scan the area very carefully. I roll 15. Excellent. You all spot something. Turfin, the first thing you spot is the wreckage and ruin of several suits of armour, part embedded in the mud around here. One of them in one of the craters. If you imagine no man's land in the Great War, the great shell holes filled with water and wire, that's pretty much what you're looking at here, a battlefield that's been fought over or just blasted and wasted for close to a century now, maybe longer. And so amidst that armour, which is almost certainly that of a Hollow Legionnaire, and more armour of Hollow Legionnaires. So you can see old bones emerging from the mud. 
rotten pieces of meat scattered about. A predator clearly rests here, preys here. What Cutter is able to spot, looking around the place, is alarmingly what looks like a part of the earth and embankment around this clearing is almost certainly not. There is an eye open and the strangest thing is as if trees, jagged, spiked trees grow from this creature's back where scales and ridges should be. It could so easily conceal itself as a part of the scenery, but you can see it for what it is, from one titan-spawned baleful eye to another. You can see that wicked yellow eye just glistening with fluid, watching the three of you enter its clearing. And as for Shagmane, you're looking at the temple, and you can see... And as the temple is made of wood, and while it is opulent in its size, despite having been partially collapsed, you can see just peering out from the archway leading in a desperate looking hollow legionnaire who is just casting around and then sees you. I whisper knows we're here. There. There's one of them now. One of the Legionnaires. Okay. Turfin. What's your plan? I think you need to go and get your bloody friend. I think I need to do something highly dangerous. And I think you, Shagmane, I think you need to be the one who distracts the beast. Somehow with your music or something. I think... Oh, so that's the the not dangerous bit then. Yeah, sure, I'll do that. We have your back. But what do you think, Turfin? You could be the one, I could be the one who runs for your friend. No, 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 no. I'm running. You're not going anywhere. So, out of character, what is Cutter's plan? Because I'm not going to make you roll initiative for this. I'm going to allow you to proceed in the order that the plan would make sense. So, I understand that Shagmane is going to, uh, has at least been asked to perform some music. Hmm. That Turfin has been suggested that she runs toward the temple. What is Cutter intending on doing during all of this? He is intending on trying to slink back into any shrubbery he can. He knows where the beast is. He's going to try and hide, and then right in the middle, hopefully, of Shagamane distracting and Turfin running for the Legionnaire, he's going to try and fire off that one attack that hopefully will add to the distraction and probably anger the beast, but at least give Turfin the time to get her friend, get him over to us hopefully hopefully so let's see in that case Shagmane it looks like it's on you first of all to step forth and start taking the attention of the woodrack dragon how do you intend to go about doing that as soon as I see Turfin take off and well the same I suppose goes for Cutter I will indeed step forward and see what he saw, this liquid yellow eye, and I shall greet it with a legendary greeting. Child of Mormo, we stand in honor of your mighty temple. You are indeed serving your mistress with this carnage you have created here. Wonderful. And are you essentially going to start chanting a ballad of Mormo? Yes. Never before have more foul 
and deplorable words left your lips with intent. You have kept these kinds of songs in reserve. They're the sorts of things you learn but you never practice because they wouldn't be accepted in most civilised taverns in Skarn. But you know the words. After you learn a song like this, you never forget it. And so let's see that performance roll. I'm going to let you roll with an advantage because I like that you've planned this out. Very good. All right. This time I roll 17. I feel the taste. It feels like almost like the foul belches of the hornsaw unicorns. Just from the words that leave my mouth. The Woodrack Dragon pays attention to you on your role, on your performance. The Woodrack Dragon is clearly interested in the words that you are singing, and which language are you singing them in, Shagmain? Hmm. I don't really have knowledge of many languages, but I know I know songs in languages that I yet don't speak. That's true. Um, I'm happy then, for, if you want, you could be singing this in Titan speech. That was what I was thinking I might, yeah. In that case, it is, there are more belches and screams than one might normally expect out of a musician. But to anyone watching, this is like entering a dervish, a fever. But to Titan Spawn, this is a positive melody. And so sing you do. And the Woodrack Dragon's eyes are on you, which takes us to Turfin, who is trying to run to the temple without gaining the Woodrack Dragon's attention. Yes. I need from Turfin, although the protection from evil will help, a dexterity roll, please. Okay. I don't think there is a skill that would help you out measurably with this, uh, but let me just check. Athletics or acrobatics, maybe? Athletics would, yeah. Okay. If you've got a yeah, if you've got an athletics modifier, go for that. Okay, I get a twenty-three. That is very good. Turfin, you belch your way across this battlefield, stomping through the mud, splashing it up your uh, your sheaths, your greaves rather, splashing the mud up your greaves, trying. To keep your eye on the prize, the Temple of Mormo and the Hollow Legionnaire inside, not on the Woodrack Dragon. You do not want to make eye contact with the Woodrack Dragon. And you sprint faster than you've ran before. You know that this is a matter of life and utter oblivion. And you make it, skidding in beneath the archway, which takes us to Cutter. Well... I wait a little bit. I think I want to fire when I think the being has actually noticed Turfin. So I'm just waiting, waiting for her to get to the person and start moving back towards us. But I use this time to try and hide. So hopefully, in between the distraction and my hiding, I'll have advantage on my attack roll. Could I ask for a stealth roll from you then, please? You could. See whether you can not only disappear out of sight, but also out of mind. A critical success, 28. Then most certainly you can. You thought the Woodrack Dragon's camouflage was impressive. You have become one with the forest around you. And in this position, I simply prop my bow and wait. You essentially have the drop on this Woodrack Dragon when you choose to attack, along with the fact that you are making a sneak attack. So that takes us back to Shagmane. Shagmane, the Woodrack Dragon's head has turned. You can see both of its eyes now, and as you sing, it doesn't have lips 
but its mouth opens slightly so that you can see its teeth that are shaped like a rose bush's thorns and dripping something, some kind of ichor that just leaks from its mouth and fills up one of the holes by its chin. It's a horrific sign. You're not sure whether it's smiling or about to let something loose from its throat. I... You continuing your song? Yes, I, uh... Hmm. Can I cast a spell while I'm singing? Yes, because bards cast spells through their song. All right. Um... I will cast Enhance Ability. And this is a spell that is actually embedded into one of my tattoos. A tattoo in the shape of an ornate girdle showing a soldier engaged in feats of physical prowess wrapping around my waist. And there is magic embedded in it and uh, I will activate it to gain advantage on dexterity throws in case something comes flooding or flying flinging towards me but I try to keep up my facade of bravery uh, not necessarily bravery but absolute destruction of that which I'm singing Could you make a performance roll, please? I will do. The spell is successful no matter what, but let's see how well you perform. I'm getting a bit distracted by what I do. I roll a 13. Mm. The Woodrack Dragon bursts free from its earthen nest. Its wings, sallow and horrible, shredded with holes beat once and you feel the vibration through the ground and the air through the ozone that's growing thicker and thicker you realize something is crackling something electrical as it stares at you as it does smile at you but that's no smile of appreciation for your song yes it's distracted no it is not a fan of your music Turfin, you are in the temple. You see a rusted hollow legionnaire sat on the ground looking in a terrible state and one who only bears the smallest number of spots of this rust on her armour. Are you from the other squad? No. Just come with me. Uh, What about him? Can he walk? No, no, we would have to carry him. The armour of his legs is is dissolved, it's disintegrated. Does he have a chance? You know better than I do. Be realistic. No. Fine, we leave him. She looks to him. I'm sorry. Okay, you are going to try and burst free with this battle mage beside you, Hollow Legionnaire Battle Mage. Um, I need you to make another athletics roll, then, please. All right. And I'm going to be making one for her. Roll eighteen. Her roll isn't quite as successful as you dart back out from the temple. Entering the battlefield, you can't help but see that the Woodrack Dragon has exposed itself now, is beating its wings, is glaring, the air is electric, and while you can maintain your footing on the slippery mud, your companion does not. She doesn't slip, but she doesn't keep up with you. Maybe it's the rust taking its toll. You can help her along and stop her from slowing you basically 
keeping you by the temple. Um, if you grab her and pull. I will. Very well. You allow her to keep her feet. The both of you run across the mulch. You are nearly there to the edge of the clearing already. And that takes us to Cutter. I see this happening, and my eyes focus on the dragon and its eyes. What's it doing? Has it noticed them? Is it coming towards them? Uh, the dragon is has only got eyes for the bard that's singing to it right now. On the next turn, we will actually roll some initiatives to conclude our game. <laughs> In a backwards kind of pageantry. Then, I actually think I wait... If I fire now, it will break the spell. If, if Shagmane can keep it distracted the entire time, then that's great. I just keep position and just keep my finger on my short bow, waiting, waiting for a movement. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Okay, initiatives, everybody. As we close in on the conclusion of our Dead Man's Rust campaign... 14. 17. 14, 17, and Shagmane? And 18. Very impressive. Shagmane. You can tell, you can tell right now that this Woodrack Dragon is fully aware of everything going on within this clearing. It's not stupid. It knows that you are there to keep its attention. And you know from the way it's looking at you and the way it's grinning at you, the way only a dragon can, that it is about to let forth whatever it contains within its gullet at you. It will run you through with lightning if you stay where you are. And so, as... The moment comes, I don't even see Cutter, and I don't know what happened to Turfin. I am going to run. Okay, uh, could I ask for an athletics roll, please? What I'm really looking for is if you botch. I get 20. 20, 20 is good. 20 means that when you do get shot at, with this dragon's lightning breath, uh, you can roll your dexterity saving throw with an advantage, as you are already in movement, in motion. Yeah, and since I've given myself cat's grace, I suppose that's kind of what I had. Yes, true. And uh, I get uh, 22. On your dexterity saving throw. That's right. Excellent. Um... Okay, well, I'll let you know what the damage is, in fact, now, because the dragon also goes on an initiative of 18. So, to describe the scene. As Shagmane realises that the jig is up, that there is no more distracting this creature before it unleashes hell, you turn and you flee, as you have described and you flee with Cat's Grace. You move at speed. It's a positive dance around this wasteland. You jump over tree stumps. You twist around these craters in the ground. You bend with the wind. You cut your way through this ozone. Nevertheless, the Woodrack Dragon exhales lightning in a 90-foot line that's five feet wide with a screaming keen that sounds positively metallic mechanical even somehow Shagmane with his dexterity, with his agility with his bardic grace twists and turns and against all odds avoids the brunt of the blow but not its entirety the lightning courses through your body 
and you are dealt 26 hit points worth of damage. Your skin crackles and burns, your organs pulse and judder. Are you still alive? I am. It's like my muscles want to stop working, but they aren't. I am running still. It's it's like they're just working by themselves. Very good. So that takes us to 17 on initiative. Turfin, you just reached the edge of the clearing with your companion, your hollow legionnaire that you managed to save. Are you going to keep on running into the woods? I'm... Yeah, I'm gonna... I'm gonna get her safe no matter... I don't... I, don't, I, I, I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose that's what we're doing. Okay. Uh, you head deeper into the woods, away from the wasteland, away from the charred trees that have clearly been knocked down and burnt to cinders by this creature, and get her to duck down safely, out of sight, away from danger. She nods. Okay, okay. Thank you, thank you. Please don't leave me. I'm, I'm not leaving you. You're going to make it alive. And are you going to turn back to help Shagmane and Cutter, or are you just staying with her? No, I'm going to turn back. Um, She cries out, but you think she understands. Please, just... I'll be back. Just stay here. You're safe for now. She nods frantically, and in a very human way, a way that Hollow Legionnaires rarely act, she is hugging her knees. Stay safe. And I run back. Okay, and that takes us to Cutter, as you return to the outskirts of the clearing, Turfin, and you're able to see at that point that Shagmane has just been electrocuted, and is sizzling. Seeing the moment, seeing the lightning fly out from this great beast and seeing Turfin clear the area, I don't really notice her come back. So I simply aim my shot and fire. Trying to aim either for the pe- trying to aim either for the creature's eye, or maybe it makes more sense to aim for the mouth. Entirely up to you. You've had the, t- the time to aim, so where would Cutter like to aim? No, I think the eye. If I can make that eye shot, it's big enough. So I roll my short bow attack. You do? You've got, remember, it's a sneak attack and you're rolling with an advantage. And it's multiple arrows based on the spell that was cast. Indeed. So, rolling an 8 and then a 22. I shall take the 22. How many extra d6 is it, Yama? Well, if you hit, it's two extra. Oh, only two. Okay. Yeah, no, I cast a level one version of it now. And you always get advantage, actually, when you use a multiplied missile. That's true, that's true. I should, um, in that case, I'm going to apply a condition uh, to this if it hits. And that is going to be blinded. Hmm. Um, Given that you've taken this length of time to aim and you're going for the eye... Uh, we are going to we are going to hit so let's see how much damage you do so the arrows soar free magically in parts from your bow toward your target you know this isn't going to kill it of course but it may it may slow it may confuse it 24 damage that is a, a nice amount of damage from a short bow. Yes, as my arrow flies out, splitting once again into several arrows of magical energy, hitting it straight in that yellow eye. Its right eye is penetrated by these arrows, and the magical ones disappear again, but the wounds do not. It lets out a 
terrible howl, scream, roar. It isn't confused. It's letting out all of those things. It's like a tremendous amount of feedback. It's like a cacophony of conflicting voices screaming from within this woodrack dragon that is only now showing itself at its full size as it lurches and more of it pries itself free from the ground with pops and squeals and screams the earth shatters trees fall over this woodrack dragon is taking up half of the perimeter of this clearing and when I see that happening, I then turn, notice Turfin has come, and simply shout, Grab Shagmane and run! And use my bonus action to dash as far away as I can. Very good. So we're back round to the top. Shagmane, you running, running, running? Yeah. Even with the damage taken, this. There's no stopping me now. I see Turfin come in to the clearing as well, and I just gesticulate, run! And I sing to myself as a bonus action, soothing words, as I try and heal a little bit of the damage dealt to me. Please go for it. I heal six points of damage. It's a little, but it helps. Your words give you comfort. They remind you of a place that isn't here. As the woodrack dragon, on its turn, beats its wings and takes to the sky. Not high above you, not too high, but high enough for, for again for you to feel that wind behind you, to feel buffeted, to feel the ozone washing over all three of you. It lets out another howl. Could I ask each of you to make a wisdom saving throw as the Woodrack Dragon lets forth its frightful presence? Five. Uh, Fourteen. I get twenty-two. Well, you all gain the frightened condition. So allow me to narrate. We don't conclude our story so much as leave it open to the poets and the bards. When the Woodrack Dragon unveils its full size and strength, our three heroes, plus their recently rescued companion, become crucially aware of what they face, or rather what they flee. These three have been through a lot in the last week or two, but they have never been up against anything like this, and the fear of this creature reaches their hearts and souls. Unity between them dissolves for the next minute. There is no sense of coordination. There is no action that they can take, no tactics no strategy but flight, just running and running and running the fates of our heroes are therefore unknown for now until we come back to Dead Man's Rust or Scarred Lands as one day I hope we will but the last the Hollow Legionnaire Battle Mage remembers of the three of them after she reaches the village of the Clan of Reeds. We're seeing the three head in three different directions, wondering whether they were doing this so that the dragon would only get one of them, or whether they were so consumed with terror that they had no other choice. She never saw the three of them again whether that meant they died, they escaped the forest, they rejoined and headed on to Glividor Tell is a tale we will tell at another time but for now that is the end of our story
Listeners, we cannot know for certain what happens to our heroes in this adventure, because they have just explored a tiny fraction of the Dead Man's Rust campaign, which is huge, expansive, full of subquests, missions, locations such as these, and monsters too, including the Woodrack Dragon. What is ultimately more important than what happens to Turfin, Shagmain, and Cutter is what happens to your characters should you choose to play. And hopefully there is something you can learn from their successes and failures. And maybe you can even incorporate their tale into yours should you find bodies or should you find a poem written on the side of a tree or should you find survivors hiding out into the wild. This is just a glimpse into Dead Man's Rust, which is far too expansive to cover with one actual play. But I do hope that it compels you to back our Kickstarter. We are really proud of it, and we are so happy to have partnered with Red Moon Roleplaying again to create an actual play, because we always love doing these with them, and they are a fantastic crew. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to my players for playing. You have listened to an episode of Red Moon Roleplaying, where we played Dead Man's Rust for Scarredlands and 5e, which is published by our friends at Onyx Path Publishing and is on Kickstarter right now. Our Game Master was the Gentleman Gamer Matthew Dawkins, and Craig and Yalmar were joined by our dear friend Clara Herbal. The music was created by Agar Sonus and Halgrath, and was used with permission from their label, Cryochamber. Visit cryochamber.bandcamp.com or their YouTube channel for more music for your games. We would like to give massive thanks to our champions of the Red Moon, Martin Hoshobear, Nastasha Rollerson, Simon Cooper, David, Julia and David Hogbari for their generous support. And we would of course like to thank all of our other patrons. Without your support, the show would not be possible. If you want to support our work, please check us out on Patreon. You can get access to bonus campaigns for Cultivated Lost and Coriolis there, as well as get early and raw access to all of our recordings. You can also hear your name read on the show as a champion of the Red Moon, as well as play cult with us. Most importantly, that support is what keeps the show going, so do check us out there. Thank you for listening, and see you soon again.